a reading from 1 Corinthians. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are all varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. A happy Pentecost to you. Today is the day we celebrate as the birthday of the church. And I hope to spend a little time thinking what kind of church was actually born that day, almost 2,000 years ago, a church that I think the world desperately needs and that we might be being called back to. So just to put in context, you know, Pentecost is 50 days after Easter. That's what the word means, Pentecost. That's 50 days. And what we have after the resurrection, we celebrated this in church, was 40 days of the resurrected Jesus showing up to the disciples to help them understand that even though he was no longer physically with them, he had come to fill all things and to bring us closer, in fact, to bring us, to raise us up to God. And last week at the Ascension, we talked about Jesus preparing the disciples for the game to change, whether they wanted to or not. And Jesus ascended to heaven, that was it. He told them, though, I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you orphans. I will send to you the paraclete. We've got a lot of names for this entity of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit being another. 
And today is the day where 10 days later we celebrate their reception. Now, there's a lot that you need to know because oftentimes we read the Bible so literally we forget to take it seriously and we're very tempted sometimes in a literal read to imagine things that are just difficult to imagine. Whereas I think what scripture offers us instead are some fantastic I don't want to say code, but images that we can decode and help get our minds and hearts around because they'll take us to a different place. So so it's worth thinking through spirit. The word spirit, pneuma in Greek, ruach in Hebrew, actually just refers to any movement of air. Any movement of air. So, So when you see the word spirit in the Bible, it's often translated um, either as spirit or breath, or wind. And this is pretty fitting to think about. The disciples, frankly, have got little lights that were lit in them by Jesus, and they are fading. Do you notice they locked the doors? They were in the room all locked up because they were afraid. They were just exhausted. What they needed was a second wind. What they needed was when coals turn white, they needed you to take a leaf blower on full throttle. Has anybody ever done this in their barbecue pit? And the fire really um, burned the felt off my grill last week. Um, (laughs) This works. That's what they needed was a big old breath of air. How interesting we typically think of our spirit as something different from our body. That's something that came around after the Bible. We've got flesh and blood and we've got some spirit inside us. When the Bible was written though, the spirit was the essence of your body. There wasn't body and spirit, you were one bit. And the spirit, interestingly enough, did not live in your heart. In the Bible, your spirit lives right here. Which makes sense, doesn't it? Because that's where you move air. What they needed was a movement of air and they needed a new kind. And you know, we see spirit in the Bible in a bunch of different places. In fact, spirit shows up in Genesis 1, verse 1. The earth was formless and void and the spirit of God was above the face of the deep or the waters. And what did that wind do? It breathed order into the world. The world used to apparently be a big mess where light and dark were the same bit. And the sky, sea, and the land were all together as one. The breath or the wind of God blew those things apart so they could be their own things. And in Genesis chapter 2, God takes clay and starts making a little model when God's done there's a little statue that is to be the first human being and the way the human being comes alive is that God puts a spirit into it God breathes into the flesh into the clay and it becomes living flesh interestingly enough Many of you know this. There's a guy in Exodus chapter 4, Moses, who's been in Egypt, 
has seen his people in bondage and would try to set them free. He can't do it by himself, so he decides instead he'll be a shepherd. <laughs> sort of the natural career alternative. And one day, while keeping the sheep, you know, he sees a bush that's on fire and it doesn't go out, so he goes to inspect. And the, the bush says, I'm God, take your shoes off. And as Moses has a conversation with the bush, Moses says, well, God, what's your name? And in Hebrew, God says, Hebrew, God's name sounds like a breath. And the rabbinic understanding, consonant with Genesis 2, is that when we're born, the first thing we do out of the womb is say God's name for the very first time. And it sounds, what do you know, like... Sometimes it sounds like wah, <laughs> but that's in there, you know. And then uh, the rabbis say, interestingly enough, that all of us are moving air right now. All of us have God's spirit in us right now, God's breath. And the last thing we do before we die is we say God's name one last time. And our life leaves us because our life is in God's spirit. Well, what did the disciples need? They needed a new breath. They needed a new life. They needed a second wind, one that was better than the one they'd had before, a way that would carry them and sustain them. And so on Pentecost, and this is amazing, isn't it, that sometimes God works not just because of our plans, but in spite of them. They're locked up in a room scared, and in that moment, their intention, frankly, is just to survive, not to have some high holy day, just to not get killed. God appears and recreates them with a new breath. <sighs> and it's violent and loud. Apparently, people hear it. And then what happens next is quite interesting. If we read this literally, a tongue of fire descended on their head. I guess you have to imagine sort of the rolling stones insignia floating down, or... Um, Gene Simmons, you know, one of those. Um, a tongue of fire would be really strange. Um, could have worked like that, but you know, the word tongue in the Bible just means language. Now, that's significantly different to think that a language of fire, of heat and light, descended upon them. A language that they didn't speak before. This is the bit about Pentecost. They didn't know this language before and somehow they were able to go out and communicate with people whose native language they didn't speak. So, so what did it look like? Was it the word Hebrew in fire that came down and they could speak Hebrew? Or it was the word Fortran and it came down and they could program, you know? Or, or, or maybe it was, it was Swahili and it came down? We, we don't really know, but I think what's important is what's behind the image. These people didn't just receive a new breath so that oh, we can just go on living. They received a new breath so that they could be new life to other people as well. It sort of goes back to what we read in the gospel. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, 
I send you. Now imagine the scene, and and I'm just going to try to make it a little more contemporary if I can. Apologies if I didn't get it quite right. But in Jerusalem that day, on the day of Pentecost, which is a high holy Jewish day, it's called Shavuot. It celebrates the day that Moshe brought the Torah down from either Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb, depending which book of the Bible you're reading. They read the whole Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all five books. They go to the synagogue still. On on Pentecost today, that's what you do on Shavuot. You do that. Uh, Lots of people came to Jerusalem from all over the known world for that high holy day. People, you read it, and Larry, by the way, must have studied because I can't pronounce half those words, right? (laughs) People from all over the known world. And what kind of people were those? They looked different from each other. This is really important. They had different skin tones. Affirmatively, there were people from Ethiopia and there were people from what's now sort of France. They wore different clothes. I bet some of those men wore dresses. I bet some of those women wore pants. There they were in their different clothes. They ate different kinds of of food, like goats and bugs. There they were with all of their different looking clothes and customs. I would bet you, I mean this is far-fetched, you're going to have to use your imagination. I would bet you some of them were registered Democrats. That's <laughs> hard to believe. And, and, and I would bet, if you'll go with me, it's safe to assume some of them might also have been registered Republicans. I mean, we're talking about diverse people in, in the same place here, right? They were all there. I bet you, in some of their communities, women were not allowed to be leaders. But I would bet you, in some of their communities, women were allowed to be leaders. The amazing thing is the kind of church that is born on the day of Pentecost did not ask any of those people to change their clothes. It did not ask any of those people to eat different food. It did not ask them to change which hand they ate with. It did not require them to believe the same doctrines. Now that's kind of a big step. No, instead, on Pentecost, the unifying factor was that God was doing deeds of powerful life regardless of where you were from or how you looked or what you believed. And to come back to the breath, perhaps the miracle of Pentecost was that the disciples realized for the first time that that guy or that girl wearing those weird clothes who believed something really strange about communion, if they listened really carefully, they heard that person say, and they said, God's there. Wait a minute, do it again. I want to make sure I heard that right. Well, I just got that. I was just locked up in a room afraid, and that's what God did to me, and You're doing it too? I wonder if God's in that other lady or that other guy. I've seen the political signs they put in their yard. Could God possibly be in that person? 
And instead of being offended at God's generosity, they were grateful. And that is the birthday of the church. I haven't gone to that church very often. The one I went into, when I, when I grew up in, we all looked the same, quite honestly. In fact, if you weren't dressed in the right clothes, well, you were welcome. You're welcome to come in. Just have a seat. Well, I'll look at you the whole time. Let you know how welcome you are. You're welcome to wear the same clothes we're wearing next week. Um, do you, anybody been to one of these? <laughs> if you've been to church, you've been to one of these right? This is the truth. As a high schooler, I was welcome to keep my real thoughts to myself. (laughs) All are welcome, you know, you know. So when I wanted to say, well, if God's really good, why do people suffer? You're just welcome to pray about that silently. That's, That's sort of the bit I grew up in. That's the welcoming church. How funny, isn't it? Because that's not what God made on Pentecost. I want you to think about it, and I don't want to be too critical, but I want you to think about how much life is in that way of living. I think that way of breathing, I've come to find, is increasingly shallow. I mean the kind that's like this. You can stay alive that way, but you can never breathe deeply because next week you might make a mistake and then it'll be you that's welcome to be quiet. No, God's gift on Pentecost is the one that says the Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. Even and especially the flesh we don't like. And it's for our good to listen to it and to call God's breath to the attention of the world. And I'm going to tell you, you've probably heard me say this before, the reason I'm an Episcopalian, the reason I know that this was the place for me, it was the end of the road. I'd already been Baptist and Presbyterian and Roman Catholic and Lutheran. (laughs) those are the major ones (laughs) there have been a few others as well the first time I went to the rail in this little church I was just hurting I was hurting from having been to all those other places on my right hand was a refugee from Burma she'd become an Episcopalian well an Anglican actually in a refugee camp she'd been fleeing for her life, and and there in the camp where she spent about two years, um, the missionaries had sort of, had touched her. And so she came to the rail at St. Albans Episcopal Church in El Cajon, California, and she was wearing a knitted veil that she'd made. She probably had less, fewer than a thousand words of English in her vocabulary, and she was on my right-hand side at the rail, veiled. And on my left-hand side was the man that had come for church, well, for the donuts. But um, he felt bad just having the donuts, you know, at the coffee hour. So he went into church because then it was, you know, like the, like the thing, you know, it was like a fair-er deal. And, and, and I didn't know anything about 
um, silver vessels or anything like that. I'd, I'd grown up where we each got our own little cup because that, that was, just felt really safe, you know. And I had this moment in church where I looked, <laughs> I looked to my right and my left and then I looked to my safety and I thought, oh man, these, what, we're not eating off the same plate. I didn't know if these people have washed their hands. Oh, man, I didn't know if they believe the right stuff. This is going to be really bad for them. I mean, really. And I had this Pentecost moment. It was actually in the middle of February. It wasn't the right liturgical time at all. Where I went ahead and ate the bread, because that's what you do when they give it to you, you know. And, and, um, and I drank out of the cup. And they did too. And I heard them breathe. And I knew God was in them. I knew it. I didn't even want to know it, but I did. And that was the closest to Pentecost in a church I've ever been that day. And I am positive that that is what Jesus is calling us to go into the world and do, is to be those people who say, I will share Christ's body with you. And I will drink from the same cup as you, especially when I'm uncomfortable. Because God, God can make life out of that. And I am further positive that that is exactly why we are getting ready to baptize four people today. Because baptism is another one of those biblical code images that says God is doing something new. And we're going to do it with children. I'm positive we do this with children because it is so easy to look past our prejudices and our supposed to's when we look at a child and say, yes, I hear God's breath in you and I will do all that I can to sustain it and to call it out for the world. And we do it with kids, I think, so that when we look at each other, we can say, that person at work that's driving me crazy is somebody's baby. You've got to really use your imagination to do this. And if you don't know their mom and dad, you can just imagine that they're gods. And at the moment they're making us the craziest, imagine God holding them and saying, shh, Imagine if we could do that. Well, we'd be the Pentecost church. We'd be the church that says we don't have to do it the same to worship God. In fact, the thing that's worshipful is that we're so different and we hear God and each other. That's the stronger miracle, don't you think? And that's the sacrament we're going to celebrate now, this new birth in these four children. So families,
godparents, come on up, please. 